All right, welcome back everybody and a very happy start of the week to everyone out there. Balls and Beards podcast episode three about to kick off right now. Sports guy Chris here. I'm here with my good friend Mikey. Hey Chris, how's it going buddy? Good, good. How are you? Doing fantastic, thank you. Awesome, awesome. So once again, we have a lot of great content for you guys today. A lot of stuff going on in the NBA as the season gets closer. Of course, we had a big weekend in the NFL. We are inching closer to the playoffs there as that is kind of starting to sort itself out a little bit with three games to go here in the regular season. As advertised and promised, we are going to start today's episode off by touching on the NFL standings right now, how teams are looking, how the playoff picture looks, and we're going to give you guys our picks for who we think is going to be in the playoffs a few weeks from now when the regular season wraps up. Mikey, I want to lead off with your Cardinals. They yeah. they scored a big win yesterday, 26-7 to over the Giants. The Giants had come in literally on fire. They had won four straight. They had upset Seattle the week before in Seattle. Daniel Jones was back at quarterback, and they just could not get anything going against your Cardinals yesterday. Kyler Murray was back to playing his midseason form. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had nine catches for 136 yards. Kenyon Drake had 80 rushing yards and a touchdown. Things were clicking pretty good. Mikey, how do you feel about your Cardinals after that win yesterday? You know, I got to say, Chris, like, where where's that defense been uh, since the start of the season? Um, you know, right? the defense has been kind of inconsistent. And as you said, I mean, you know, going into that game, uh, New York had been playing incredibly well. Um, and, uh, you know, for we held them scoreless in that first half. And, uh, you know, we put up some points uh, there in that first half and, you know, we, we, we held them scoreless and, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was, that was pretty big. Um, Kyler is once again, showing that he's got one of the best young arms in the NFL, making plays, um, you know, scrambling, doing the things that he was doing. Um, you know, we, we looked good, uh, you know, had we played like this the whole year, you know, we could be in that conversation as far as, you know, the best team in the NFC West. And that is a loaded division, obviously. And, um, you know, we could have been right there in that hunt. But it's good to know that we're finishing out the season on a good note, beating some good teams. You know, Buffalo we beat a few weeks ago, you know, a yeah. month ago, uh, you know, and, and they're 10-3. and three, So we handed them one of three losses. You know, we, we got, we're picking up some wins, you know. We're, we're, we're doing some things. Offensively, I don't think we have money problems. We put up points on the board. It's on the defensive side of the ball that I think we, we have the most issues right now. And, you know, to be fair, Cliff Kingsbury's not necessarily – he just wasn't brought in for his defense. Good point. Uh, yeah, you know, he's brought point. in for his offense. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that that's obviously clicking. Uh, you know, it was, side note, it was good to see Larry Fitz back out there yeah, after going through right. uh, COVID protocols. Sure. Um, so, you know, he didn't have a big game. He only had two two receptions for only 10 yards. But you know what I mean? Like, it's good to see the old man out there and, and playing. So, Absolutely. you know, again, I, I, I like us right now. We're currently in that last playoff spot, you know, yep. number seven. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I like it. We've got a relatively, our schedule's kind of hit or miss. I mean, it, it's depending on what shows up, what team shows up, we could run the gamut and go three and oh, we, I think two and one is probably the more accurate, um, record that we're going to go with. I agree. Yeah. That Rams game on week 17 is going to be a, a big game for both teams. Both teams are going to have something to play for, I think. 
And uh, that's going to be a playoff game probably in and of itself. So uh, I like it. I like to see that we'll probably finish out the season above 500. Um, and as a Cardinals fan, you know, I, I just like to see it. I just like to see forward momentum and, and we're not, di- you know, going backwards and we're going forward. So uh, I like that. Absolutely. Uh, so that's, that's what I think about the Arizona Cardinals there, Chris. Nice. Your, your your Green Bay Packers took care of some business. You know, they locked up that uh, that number one spot. Yeah, they, they took care of some business yesterday. They got back in that number one spot, like you pointed out. They, they wrapped up the NFC North with their win over Detroit yesterday. It wasn't easy. It never is against the Lions. It's a division game. They always seem to play us tough. Even the years where they are just absolutely atrocious, they always play us tough so we'll take it it was on the road we'll take the w is 31 24 a little bit more hard fought than we needed it to be but uh then you turn around and and coupled with new orleans going to philly and losing that bumped us back up in the number one spot as i as i pointed out we wrapped up the division so it was a great day for packers fans uh now sitting at the top of the division and owning a tie break with new orleans so uh, feeling pretty good about where we're at right now. You you look at it and it seems like Green Bay almost has a definitely a one or two spot locked up for sure. Of course, right now the only buys this year with the expanded playoff format, an extra team on each side. It's only the one seeds that get the the buy to start things off. So getting that top overall seed seems to have a little bit more importance this year, only because you're going to be the only team off. So we'll take it. That was that was a big W. Uh, and uh, very, very excited with where we're at. The offense continues to, you know, just cruise right along. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams is just playing out of his mind. Aaron Jones running the football. So defense has some holes, that's for sure. Uh, But, you know, that's a great thing. Every team in the NFC has some holes, especially defensively. There's not necessarily a complete team or a real dominant defensive team. Uh, similar to how San Francisco was last season. So, um, and then looking ahead, really, as as at the NFC playoff picture after yesterday and where we're at right now, as you pointed out, your Cardinals are now back in in the number seven spot. They would be in if the playoffs started today. And I really kind of see it as as a three team race at this point for the final playoff spot in the NFC between your Cardinals. And then the Vikings, who uh, were beat yesterday, they fell to 6-7. and seven. And then the Bears, who all of a sudden decided to show up and play football all of a sudden, and they routed the Texans 36-7 to seven yesterday. So now all of a sudden Chicago is 6-7 and seven, and with a little bit of hope. But I, I realistically think it's going to come down to those three teams uh, for that final spot. And you look at the schedules, you, you kind of touched on your Cardinals. You know, they've got the Eagles at home, the 49ers at home, at the Rams to finish up. Like you said, depending which version shows up, they could go 3-0 and run the table. Uh, they could go 2-1. I'm with you. I think that's the more likely scenario. They get to 9-7, and seven, and I still think that is good enough to get them in, mainly because I don't think the Vikings and Bears can both go 3-0. and Minnesota, well, they can't because they're actually playing each other this next Sunday, which is kind of going to be an elimination game, I feel. The winner of that one will stay alive. The loser will probably be out. They'll be at eight losses, so... They play each other, and then after that, Minnesota has to go to New Orleans. They finish at Detroit. That one's a winnable game. That game at New Orleans is going to be difficult. The Bears have the Vikings, of course, and then the Jaguars, so that could be a winnable one. And then they finish at home against the Packers. You know, Green Bay could potentially still be playing to wrap up the one seed. Uh, you know, 
would see how things go the next couple weeks with New Orleans. So um, that could end up being a very competitive game still. If Green Bay has everything wrapped up, they could potentially be resting people. But either way, I think one of those two teams has to go 3-0 to, to have a chance to catch your Cardinals. So as of right now, I still think your Cardinals are going to get in. They, I think they're going to get in as the number seven team. Uh, I think Tampa is going to be number the number six team as it's standing right now today. Of course, Tampa got back on track. They got a big win yesterday as well uh, over that very same Minnesota team that we were talking about. The Washington football team all of a sudden is on a winning streak. They have gone from, you know, totally off the radar to now they're six and seven. They're in first in the NFC East after your Cardinals trounced the Giants yesterday. Uh, the Eagles are still a little bit relevant with their victory yesterday uh, over the Saints. Jalen Hurts made the start, uh, his first his first career start. It went pretty well. He ran for over 100 yards. Didn't necessarily do a whole lot in the passing game, but they ran the ball well. Eagles are still kind of alive there. What do you think of the Washington football team? You think, Mikey, they're gonna they've got enough to get it done and and wrap it up there in the NFC East? Man, you know that's just. <laughs> That division, you know, not too long ago was, you know, I mean, it was Philly and Dallas, mostly Philly kind of reigning supreme in that division. And now you're looking at four teams, one of which, you know, the Washington football team sub 500 with a chance of making the playoffs. And then you have, you know, not to go back to the NFC West, but you've got, you know, three out of the four with, you know, above 500 records. Uh, you know, and San Fran's kind of right there in that hunt in terms of flirting with the 500 record. So um, it, it's it's fascinating. Um, you know, Washington is definitely coming on strong when you need to be coming on strong. Uh, and that's going into the playoffs. And, you know, with the way the football is, you know, it's one and out. And so you you never know what what you could have just a great game by either side of the ball, your defense or your offense. And you know, they could play spoilers. So, you know, it, it's and against the Seattle team that has also been kind of up and down. And, you know, their defense has been kind of suspect uh, this entire season. And so, you know, all it takes is that one good game and, and you know, something could happen. You know, the Giants kind of started off the season, to my recollection, as kind of a feel-good story and whatnot. Um, you know, they had some things going on there. And, but I don't know. I, I think Washington's going to come out of the NFC East. I think, like you said, they're playing really well. Um, you know, they're on a winning streak. Um, and so I, I think that they have a good chance um, of, of making it out of the NFC East. That's, that's my prediction that they're going to come out there. I think your Green Bay Packers are going to get the number one overall. I like that. New Orleans, I think <laughs> you're looking at their schedule. I mean, they play Kansas City. They play yeah. the Vikings. Um, you know, so they're going to have some big games. New Orleans is that's going to kind of put them to the test. And Kansas City, totally agree. They're not a team that's going to let their foot off the gas. I mean, they're no. currently that number one team in the and the AFC. Yeah. So I, I yes. think with Pitt losing two games in a row now, I, I think Kansas City sees light and and they see a pathway to repeating as Super Bowl champs. So you know, yep. I think that they're not going to let up at all. Um, you know, and Pitt's obviously kind of nipping at their heels in terms of standings and stuff like that. So, yep. I, I just, I, I think that New Orleans is not going to get it done for that number one seed. I think Aaron Rodgers, your boy, is playing too well. I think that team is just playing too well. And I just don't see them losing out or losing that number one seed. So, 
Um, that's wh- that's where I go. Um, that's kind of my predictions um, in terms of just the Washington football team and whatnot. Like um, it. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I mean, their defensive front seven has been pretty solid all season long. I think that's going to continue to propel them. They'll get it done. I think Washington will win that division. Now, Alex Smith coming in, playing quarterback, kind of a feel-good story there for sure after you know his leg getting ripped up and going through the intense rehab and just everything that happened to him along that process uh pretty incredible that that he's even out on a football field so Washington all of a sudden seems to have captured a little bit of a a feel-good kind of story here in a bottle they're running with it and yeah they're starting to play better so I'm with you I think after their win yesterday coupled with the Giants loss I think they're going to be the team to get it done you mentioned the Chiefs, uh, you know, and they're going to be playing the Saints soon. Um, kind of segue over to the AFC. The, uh, the Chiefs are now atop the AFC. They passed Pittsburgh after the uh, Steelers lost again yesterday. They were knocked off by the Buffalo Bills, and all of a sudden here comes Buffalo again. The Bills have kind of started real hot. They, they got a little quiet in the middle of the season. Now they're coming on again now. But that was a big win for Buffalo. Held Pittsburgh to 15 points. And kind of that was the thing about the Bills. They There was a lot of talk about their defense being the best in the NFL going into this season, their front seven being absolutely lights out. They didn't necessarily play that way for, for the majority of the season. Offense has been great. You know, Josh Allen has played better. Uh, but now to see that defense start to take a step forward, I thought Buffalo might be the wild card as far as a team that could push Kansas City. I've liked Pittsburgh. Uh, even after they lost to the Washington football team, I was still high on the Steelers. You know, I'm not. I'm not sure they got beat by Buffalo yesterday. Maybe it's now Buffalo and Kansas City that are that are the cream of the crop in the AFC. You know, we'll we'll have to see how that plays out. Looking at the back end of those standings, there, Miami, of course, played Kansas City yesterday pretty competitively, ended up getting beat, uh, but Miami is still clinging to life as of right now for that final playoff spot. But it's not necessarily going to be an easy road for them. We have Baltimore playing tonight against Cleveland in a big game. Mikey, what do you think about the AFC right now? What do you think about those wildcard teams we were talking about? You Do you think Miami is going to sneak in? Do you think Baltimore? Uh, we got Cleveland probably pretty much already in. They're 9-3. and three. You know, that's a big one tonight with Baltimore. What do you think right now just about the AFC in general? You know, um... It's it's Kansas City's division or you know uh, conference to lose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, no offense to Pitt, but you know you, Pittsburgh kind of picked a bad time to start losing some games, and, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, I, I know we had talked about it, yeah. uh, not on here, but we had talked about it just in person about you know sometimes a loss can help kind of refocus your guys and yes, everything like that. Yes. And now you you've got back to back weeks where you you got a letdown. Um, yep, that's not the way you want to be playing going into the playoffs, regardless of the sport. You you want to be firing on your cylinders. You don't want to be having slip ups, and that's where Kansas City is right now. They're just putting their foot to the you know yeah putting their foot on the gas pedal and not letting up. Um, Buffalo's intriguing. I mean, Buffalo I don't think has been this good since God the, the early '90s, man, when they were making uh, Super Bowls. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? So yes. That's a feel good story right there. As far I as agree. I'm concerned, I agree. Um, you know. I think for me, you always want to see in sports, you want to see teams that haven't made the playoffs in a long time make make an appearance, right? Yeah. Even if they don't win that first game, yep. you know, whatever. 
I like Miami. I, I think yeah. Miami's played well enough throughout the course of the season to get that final spot. It's been a while since they've been good. You know, yeah, you've it got has. Tua, it has been a while. you know, playing well. He outdueled uh, Kyler Murray, you know, a few weeks back um, against my Cardinals, uh, you know, in a shootout. You know, I mean, I'd like to see them make it. You know, same thing with Cleveland. I want to see these teams. You know, Baltimore's a few years removed from, you know, being in the Super Bowl and playing incredibly well. You know, Vegas, you know, you, you'd like to see the Raiders make it just for Raider Nation's sake. Yeah. Um, yep. But, you know, I don't think that they have enough. I I, I don't think so. I, I think that the AFC is a lot more clear in the picture of how things are going to look. I, I, I think it could come down to, you know, maybe Kansas City pit fight for that number one overall seed. I, I think everything else is fairly locked up. And, and I really think that it's essentially it's going to come down to KC, Pitt, and and possibly, you know, Buffalo. I, I don't know how any of the other teams in the AFC are really going to compete with those teams. I think I the NFC, going back to them real quick, I think that's a lot more wide open. I, totally I think at any given you. moment, yeah, like totally any agree. one of those teams could upset the higher seed. I don't think record's going to have yep. a lot to do with it. But, you know, you look at Pittsburgh and Kansas City, and, and they their records alone are absolutely bonkers. I mean, you're talking about 12-1 and one and 11-2. and two. You're talking about teams that have gone 23-3 and three yeah. over the course of this season. I don't know how anybody in the AFC is going to beat them. So, uh, yeah, but I like Miami. I, I'd like to see Miami get in. I, forget New, New England. I mean, Patriots have had their run. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they have. That's Bill Belichick sure. can yeah. suck it. I mean, as an L.A. guy, <laughs> don't want to see Boston succeed, so Belichick can suck it. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like Miami. I, I, I just do. I, I like Miami to get in. Let's, awesome. let's, let's get them. Let's get them some feel-goodness going on in Florida. And, uh, you know, I, I like them. So All right, that's cool, my pick. cool. I, you know what, Mikey, I'm going to agree with you as you know, as far as the Chiefs and Buffalo and Pittsburgh goes. I, I think those are the three still. You know, uh, the, the golf between the top and the middle in the AFC, I, I agree, is a little bit greater in my opinion than in the NFC. So I still think it's going to be one of those couple of teams. Uh, Cleveland, you know, feel good story as well. It's it's nice to see Browns should be in the playoffs. They're nine and three, of course. If they win that game tonight, shout out to Greg. Yes, shout out to Greg, uh, Gregor. You know, finally, finally, brother. Hopefully, they'll even get you a playoff W. Uh, but you know, if they win tonight against Baltimore, they'd be ten and three, and they would they would wrap up a playoff spot. Be a massive, massive win. Either way, Cleveland's in good enough shape. They're going to be in the playoffs. I mean, but now. Guys, now you have to consider the division is there. They're only a game behind Pittsburgh, and they play Pittsburgh again yet. So, uh, you know, it, we we still got some stuff to be decided here. Pittsburgh needs to get back to winning pretty soon, though, or they could end up being a wild card team. If Cleveland were to win that division, my goodness, uh, you know, but Cleveland kind of out of Pittsburgh script. They can run the football, but they can actually run the football better than Pittsburgh, and they're running it better than Baltimore right now this year. So... Uh, we'll see what happens in that game tonight. Uh, I like the Dolphins too. It's a feel-good story, but unfortunately, I'm going to give you my hot take here. Uh, of course, going to come to rain on the on the goodness, but I believe Baltimore is going to pass Miami for that Uh-oh. final playoff spot. Okay. And mainly, it's because of the schedule. Yes, Baltimore is playing Cleveland tonight, but they finish with Jacksonville and the. Uh, Joe Burrowless Cincinnati Bengals to uh, to close out the year and then they've got the Giants in there too so 
three very winnable games. I think they're definitely going to win the Jacksonville game and the Cincinnati game. Uh, and then if you look at Miami, yeah, they lost yesterday. They're still eight and five, but um, they do have a difficult schedule remaining. Uh, they've got New England, and then they are on the road for the Raiders and on the road for the Bills. But you know, hey, you beat New England, who's you know a division rival, of course, Belichick and everything. That game's at home, at least. If they could win that one, though, you might be all right. You know, go to go to the Raiders. The Raiders have have been struggling all of a sudden now. Gave up 44 to the Colts yesterday, 43 to the Falcons before that. They fired their D coordinator this morning. I don't, you could fire whoever you want. I don't know if you're going to change your defense around this late in the season at this point, but, um, you know, so the Raiders, ever since they lost that second close game to the Chiefs, it's been downhill for them too. So, um, but that's my hot take. I think Baltimore is going to sneak in as the, as, in that last spot. Honestly, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Miami in there, like you said, Mikey, but um, I agree with you. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, I still think it's probably going to be either Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, excuse me, or Buffalo. Um, and I tell you what, I I would love to see Kansas City and Buffalo with the way the Bills are playing right now uh, match up for a right to go to the Super Bowl. I think that would be a heck of a game, and you know maybe we'll get that. So there's my hot take. Um, in closing with the NFL right now, I, uh, and I think you, you touched on it briefly with how Aaron Rodgers is playing after yesterday, I would have to say, I think Rodgers has passed Patty Mahomes as the front runner for NFL MVP at this point. He now leads the NFL. He leads the NFL in touchdown passes. He's got 39. Patty's got 35 or 34, excuse me. Mahomes threw three picks yesterday. So he now has more interceptions than Rodgers. Uh, they both have two rushing touchdowns. And Rodgers also leads the league in quarterback rating, yards per attempt, and adjusted yards per attempt. Uh, I think I think Aaron's done it. I think he deserves to bring home another MVP. We'll see how the next few games go. You know, we still got uh, significant football to be played. But based on Patty struggling against the Dolphins but still winning yesterday, uh, and Aaron just kind of cruising along and crushing Detroit. I've got Rodgers as the front runner for the MVP right now. I mean, his stats are out of this world, guys. 39 touchdown passes, four picks. Uh, That's impressive. You know, that, that is that is very impressive. So, um, Mikey, any other yeah. hot takes? Anything you want to add before we close the book on the NFL standings and looking at the playoffs for right now? Uh, you know what? Um, you know, I no no hot takes, but uh, just just uh, just apologies to New York Jets fans. Um, the best oh, thing that's God, happened yes. to you guys this season is that that Saturday Night Live skit that that happened over the weekend. Um, <laughs> you know, that was the best thing that's happened to Jets fans. Um, you know, that that's all I got. Hey, fair enough, right? Um, you know, how that coach still has his job is beyond me, right? I mean, you know, I thought the goal was to win games, but. It, not not uh, not if you're uh, apparently in charge of the Jets. So, uh, but you know they are in the front running for Trevor Lawrence, of course, and that top draft pick. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But there you have it. You know, uh, Mikey and I very much in agreement for the most part with the playoffs. You know, I I think his Cardinals are going to get in. So we'll see what happens. Come on, uh, let's see. Right yeah. Up. We will definitely cover the playoffs in a few weeks when when that bracket is set and come back. We'll we'll run through all the games. We'll give you our picks. Uh, We will definitely be back with plenty more coverage there.
But now we'd like to segue into our next segment today. We're going to jump back to some NBA. Of course, in our last episode, we talked a lot about the Clippers. We talked a lot about Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, um, and just kind of the whole dysfunction, just kind of what happened to that team in the playoffs last year. Since we last were together, of course, Paul George has signed a big extension, four years and $190 million. Mikey, yeah. what is your take on that? What does it mean for the Clippers this year and going forward? You know, um, kudos to Paul George for getting that money. Um, you know, and... Cha-ching! And, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's... Um, the Clippers, you know, they, they've had this this history. Uh, Clippers buddy of mine uh, was mentioning this, that, you know, that there's always been a stigma related to the Clippers about star players wanting to play there, signing extensions. I brought up them re-signing Blake Griffin a few years ago and, you know, rolling out the red carpet for him only for him to be traded a few months later. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if their track record or their history has necessarily uh, gone away. Um you know, we, we talked a lot about Paul George last week. Um, you know, good for them. But Paul George wasn't the get last summer. Um, Kawhi Leonard was point. the get. And, yep. you know, he was the, the marquee free agent. The Clippers won that sweepstakes. And he's not locked up. And you locked up the guy that, as you pointed out last week, you know, struggled in the playoffs. Um, you know, and yes, he's, he came out today talking about how his, or, or the this weekend talking about how his shoulders are feeling better and whatnot. They've lost, they've dropped both preseason games to the Los Angeles Lakers thus far, which doesn't say anything. It's preseason guys aren't sure, playing. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, at this, at the end of the day, good for him. Good for the Clippers. Uh, you know, hopefully that means that they can continue to build around those guys. Um, and hopefully, you know, that sends a signal to Kawhi Leonard that Paul George is committed and that, you know, he would like to see Kawhi commit. I just don't know if that's the case. Paul George, I don't think he's a big enough name yet or or at this point, rather, in his career to attract free agents, um, you know, to the Clippers. Uh, you will have to wait and see what they look like, what their chemistry looks like. Um, they've been playing a lot of young guys so far in the preseason. Uh, some of them look like legitimate players. Uh, you know, we'll have to see what Ty Lue does when it comes down to sure. actual games counting and how many minutes these guys play and, you know, if they're going to do load management, all those kinds of things. But, you know, at the end of the day, Steve Ballmer's, you know, say what you will about the Clippers. I will say this. Steve Ballmer is light years above and beyond uh, Donald Sterling in terms of ownership. Completely He's investing agree. money in that squad. Yeah. I yep. think them getting their own building is a good step in the right direction. I think they should probably Absolutely. change their name. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I know they'll always be the Clippers, regardless of a name change or not. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, they need to continue making moves to to shed the stigma of being the Clippers. This was a good step in that direction. They opened I their agree. wallets. Um, they need to open their wallets to other guys on that roster, you know, if they want to commit to Lou Williams, um, you know, things like that, and Kawhi Leonard. Um, they're going to have to do so. Otherwise, they're going to be back to toiling for, you know, bottom four seed in the in the Western Conference. It's pretty loaded. So that's my take on it. Um, kudos to Paul George, um, yeah. you know, for getting yeah. that contract. Um, not sure if he's going to ever follow through on the championship he's promising the Clippers. But, <laughs> you know, it's a step in the right direction. And, and Absolutely. you know, all things considered, kudos to them for that. I agree. I agree with that. Um 
You know, look, I thought you touched on a lot of really good things right here. Uh, mainly, you know, it, hey, first off, like you said, kudos. I agree. It, it's a big signing to wrap up a player like that. I thought I made a good point. You know, Kawhi was the get last year. And so I think this move, it, it's very, it can go one of two ways. This could be really, really good for the Clippers. It could end up not working out so good. So, and it all depends what happens this year because there's no guarantee Kawhi comes back. And if this year doesn't work out, I don't think he does come back. And if that's the case, then all of a sudden, yes, you've got Paul George locked up, but you, I, I don't think the Clippers is nearly what the destination that it was last offseason that drew these guys there, especially now that we know the Lakers are established. You know, they weren't established. Yes, they, they were able to get AD going into last year and had LeBron coming back and everything, but you weren't, you weren't sure. It made them a yeah. favorite, but there was a lot of uncertainty still. Lakers win a championship. They've made some great offseason moves, of course. So now it's a little bit different scenario because of how solidified the Lakers are. In particular, the next few years, their future is very much solidified. So if it doesn't work out this year for the Clippers, I think it's going to be very difficult to lure key free agents in to kind of keep this thing going. That being said, still a big step in the right direction to have a guy like that wrapped up. And you hope Paul George can bounce back. I really hope the shoulders are better. I hope we can see more of the... 2019 OKC Paul George get back to that 28 point per game player not even that but just everything that he brings to the table and you know maybe less you know management and all that kind of stuff will will play a role in that we'll see maybe just being healthier mental health as well with the bubble and everything so but I think very much it's it's uh this could work out great depending on how the season goes or maybe not so great and we could be back to the same old situation but um, I will end by, you know, giving my congratulations to the Clippers. If, if anything, um, like you pointed out, it, it's definitely a move very much in the opposite direction of how things have gone for the Clippers throughout pretty much their entire history. So um, I agree with you there, Mikey. So we've touched on Paul George and his contract, what it means for the Clippers here. Uh, I know you're excited to talk about this duo that we had in action finally, but there's been a lot of talk, of course. One of these guys hasn't even played in a basketball game in a year and a half. Katie and Kyrie were on the basketball court together. Yeah, they actually played some basketball. Played some basketball. Mikey, I want to turn this over to you. Uh, tell me about how that went. I know it's a very small sample size, but it was our first glimpse of these two guys on the court together. What was your takeaway? You know, um, Kevin Durant still looks smooth as ever. Um, you know, his first play, people were questioning because of the injury, the nature of his injury, you know, his explosiveness. Um, and, you know, he he went right baseline and got a dunk. And, uh, you know, that looks pretty good. Um, you know, he didn't play. Steve Nash was trying to keep him and Kyrie to about 20 minutes. Um, you know, he, Kevin Durant played 23 Kyrie played 17, so that averages out to 20 minutes apiece. Um, you know, it, it's it's a small sampling, and it was against the Washington uh, Bullets, aka Wizards. I still <laughs> like the Bullets. Um, Fair enough. You know, and and so defensively, you know, they were they didn't play with Bradley. They played without Bradley Beal. They played without Westbrook. Uh, and this is a preseason game, so you know it's tough to really gauge where they're at. But the visual test, Kevin Durant looks good. Um, you know, Kyrie Irving looks good. I'm not ready to crown them the best duo in the NBA, like some people might be quick to do. Sure, I mean, yes, you yes. know, there's nothing statistic-wise that really jumps out. I mean, yeah, Kyrie Irving shot 78% from the field, 
in 17 minutes, shot for seven for nine overall, two for three from three-point land. Great, but again, that's against the Washington team that was without Westbrook, that was without Bradley Beal. Um, Great point. So I, I, it's it's tough to say. I'm not I'm not going to jump to anything. But the bottom line is is that, you know, as much as they're not my favorite players, the bottom line is is that basketball is better when your best players are healthy and playing. It makes games Absolutely. more competitive. It makes things more exciting. And as a result, I mean, it's good to see Kevin Durant out there. And you know, when he's healthy. You know, this injury notwithstanding, he's one of the best basketball players in the game. One of the hardest covers defensively. Um, And, uh, you know, that's always good to see. I I still have questions about the fit between him and uh, Kyrie Irving. uh, Just because Kyrie Irving is such a ball-dominant guard. Yeah. Um, But I uh, I, I do like seeing him on the court together. So, in that regard, kudos. Um, Steve Nash, you know, he's got his work cut out for him. Um, but minutes were pretty evenly distributed across the board. You know that some of those minutes are going to be taken away from some guys come regular season. But uh, by and large, it was a good move. Um, and, uh, you know, but the one thing I'll say about the Nets uh, is that, you know, you went out and spent a, a bunch of money on Joe Harris. And, uh, you know, the dude only played 19 minutes. Okay, fine. But he only had five field goal attempts. He only shot 40%. He had... One rebound, no assists, no steals, no blocks, four fouls, or four points rather, no fouls. So, you know, for a guy that was a, you know, a contributor and a guy that was, you know, fairly wanted on the free agent market, even though uh, Brooklyn locked him up pretty quickly, you want more from him. Uh, You need more from him uh, because he's going to open up the floor for Kyrie Irving and Durant to do their thing. Because DeAndre Jordan, if he's starting... He's not giving you anything other than rebounding. He had seven rebounds and some blocked shots, which he had zero yesterday. Um, so you need Joe Harris to be able to perform at a high level shooting the ball. And I'm sorry, he needs more than five attempts. Even 19 minutes, he needs more than five attempts. That's my take on that one. Um, I would agree, yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I mean, again, it was good to see Durant and, and Kyrie back on the court. Definitely, definitely. I, I think you make a great uh, point with Harris, uh, definitely. I think you got to get that guy involved for sure. Um, I, if I remember correctly, at one point during this past season, I, there was some kind of quote where they were asking Kyrie about the team. He was talking more about needing a supporting cast or something along those lines. And, and again, I'm paraphrasing. But I, he was going through all the talent on the team, and he f- forgot to mention Joe Harris. And uh, so, you know, uh, you might want to get that guy involved. That's all. I think you yep. make a great point there. He's he's too important to your overall success. And uh, as great as it is to see you know KD and Kyrie playing together and out on the court, hopefully they'll be able to get Harris a little bit more involved going forward. So he he's going to be a big part of that success. But overall, I agree with you. It, it, it's nice to see these guys together. Of course, uh, even though I, I'm a Bucks fan and, and I'm going to have to now go uh, against the Nets as well in addition to the Heat and the, the Sixers. But, you know, that being said, like you said, it, it, the NBA is best when its star players are healthy and out there and, and you can have the healthiest version of your team. So KD is a phenomenal player. So is Kyrie. Um, I'm with you. Might not be my favorite guys in the league, but they are uber talented. Happy to see them out there. So... Talking about some other uber-talented players, you know, moving on to our next segment, we 
Let off last week talking a little bit about a certain superstar who is at that point was asking for a trade, is still pushing for a trade. Oh, Mr. James Harden, the saga continues. The beard. The beard. Mikey, yeah. uh, there is all kinds of rumors here, you know, even with the the somewhat success, you know, the John Wall looking good in the couple preseason games Houston's played. DeMarcus Cousins has looked good. Uh, Wall had some quotes saying, you know, hey, I think we could be really good. James Harden is a really good scorer. Uh, Harden doesn't seem interested in that pairing. He's still pushing for a trade. The problem is, where's he going to go? I, you know, honestly, Mikey, what are you making of the James Harden situation right now? Do you think he gets traded? I know I put a lot into that question, but let's break it down a little bit more. What where, what do you see happening with James Harden this season? You know, uh, Chris, um, for, for one... I, to answer the first question, I don't see James Harden getting traded um, yeah. this season. Um, I, I don't. I again, as we kind of mentioned in the last episode, you know, Houston holds all the cards. Um, you know, they they get to decide where where he goes. He can sit there and throw all the kind of hissy fits that he wants, but at the end of the day, you know, Houston controls him. You know, they, he's under contract to the Houston Rockets. He's not. You know, they're not beholden to him and. Uh, you know, if he wants to act like this uh, going into training camp, then, you know, fine. Um, you know, maybe maybe you start finding the guy until he shows up. Uh, but then again, he could sabotage what Steven Silas is trying to, to build there. And, and you know, the chemistry that John Wall is already establishing there in Houston. You know, I, I mean, you, you hate to see Harden come in all of a sudden and have to, you know, disrupt that. So... Um, I don't see him being traded. I, I, I just don't. Even if you, even if he does expand, as has been reported, his list of teams that he wants to get traded to, the list of quote-unquote contenders, the thing is, is that, and this is something that's baffling to me, if you want to get traded to a contender, they're a contender right now because on paper with their current roster, they're, the people are looking at that saying, that's a contender. Yeah. You don't. Houston's not going to take back bits and pieces for James Harden. Dude's going to make $40 million. And unless you're Boston, where you have a $28 million trade exception, you're not making a trade without having to gut your roster and gut the talent that's on your roster, right? So then you've got a few superstars and you've got a bunch of guys on minimum contracts that are coming out of the G League, are rookies, are second-year players, you know, maybe you got some aging veterans. You don't have enough to all of a sudden be a contender. I, I'm sorry to say, you just don't. I agree. And then on top of that, you have a very shortened preseason. You only have four games to play. You didn't have much for a training camp because of COVID and because of the shortened season and all that kind of stuff. So James Harden's not a player that you can just plug and play. He, yep. He's not. Yep. I, I, you know, he's a guy that has very high usage rate. I think he's number one in the NBA in usage rating. So he needs the ball to be effective. Yep. You can't bring him into a situation like a, a let's say let's say a Brooklyn. You can't you can't trade him. And apparently Houston wants like Kyrie, which doesn't make sense because you just traded for John Wall. So that doesn't make agree. sense. Yeah. But like you can't bring him in and then all of a sudden expect him to not play with the ball in his hands. You you, you just can't. So, you know, take Philly, another team that's allegedly on his wish list. Okay, fine. You can't put him with Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons can't shoot. 
Ben and James Harden needs the ball. James Harden makes more sense to play a Rip Hamilton, Reggie Miller sort of a role where he's coming off of screens and doing those kinds of things to get looks from a Ben Simmons. Yep. But Ben Simmons has to have the ball. Yes. And if you make that decision that you are going to keep Ben Simmons over Joel Embiid, then good luck. And that's not going to work. I agree. Um, yep. Then Doc Rivers is thrown for a loop because now all of a sudden he's got to try and incorporate a, a James Harden into his roster that doesn't fit. That's like trying to make a square peg fit into a round hole and it doesn't make sense and it doesn't work. Um, you know, you look at the Miami Heat, another team that's allegedly on, you know, James Harden's wish list, right? You're If you're Houston, you're asking for Tyler Hero, you're asking for Bam, you're asking for Goran, oh, you know, absolutely. You're, you're asking for a hell of a lot of that roster, and everything Santa's that and they, the reindeer, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> you're asking for everything, man. Um, and I just don't know, that's, that's going to take Houston for, yeah, you're going to have Jimmy Butler and James Harden. Jimmy Butler established last year that he is the one alpha male on that squad in Miami. Yeah, yep. And you bring in a James Harden, now you're you're repeating the same things that happened to Jimmy Butler in Philadelphia, where he's having to coexist between be, with th- two other stars, with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And while he was kind of the man, clearly Philadelphia put their eggs in the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid basket, right? So yeah, yes, they did. I don't see how that works. And then above all else, my thing about James Harden going to a Miami squad is, and we we talked about this a little bit earlier, um, not on this episode, but Pat Riley has established a certain type of player and a certain type of culture in Miami. James Harden does not fit that. You look at what's happening right now in Houston. He hasn't even reported to camp yet. And I get it. Maybe it's due to him partying the night before training camp is supposed to start and he's quarantining. But at the end of the day, he shouldn't have been done in that done that in the first place. If I were Houston, I would find him. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you're not trying, you're not being there for your teammates, you're being a poor teammate. Pat Riley's established a certain type of way to play in Miami. And everybody that has played there has fit into that mold of what Pat Riley and Eric Spolster are trying to build there. Much like the way Greg Popovich has done in San Antonio, right? So they want hard-nosed defensive players. They want guys that play on both sides of the basketball. You know, Jimmy Butler was quoted going into last season as like, man, this is night and day compared to what it was like in Philadelphia, right? Yeah. He enjoyed yeah. the early mornings getting Great into the points. gym and doing all those things. Tyler Hero, yes, he could be included in a trade, but these are all guys, Kelly Olynyk, bam. You know, these are all guys that fit a certain type of way in Miami. James Harden doesn't fit that. Yep. And, you know, to steal a television term, Miami would be jumping the shark in making a trade for James Harden. And, yeah, you're trying to put Jimmy Butler and Harden together, but it doesn't work that way. It, yeah. it doesn't work. Now, all of a sudden, Jimmy Butler goes from, you know, that terrific Game 5 performance in the NBA Finals where he played 47 minutes. He, theor- he damn near outdueled LeBron James. Yes. In fact, he did because they won that game and forced the Game 6. And... Now James Harden comes in, and now, I'm sorry, he's going to have to now bump, take a back seat. James Harden's not going to take a back seat to Jimmy Butler. That ain't happening. No. No, and, and defensively, you're no longer as good. And something that has been very, become very relevant, relevant sorry, in, in the NBA these days is culture and its chemistry. And, you know, you go back to Golden State, you go back to the Lakers this last season, 
you know, we've talked, we touched about it with the Clippers and their lack of chemistry. You look at Philadelphia and a lack of chemistry. You know, that's a question mark with Brooklyn. Is there chemistry there? Miami had chemistry. They mm-hmm. just didn't have mm-hmm. as much talent to to outduel the Lakers last year. Yeah. And so you bring in a James Harden, he's a chemistry killer. Yeah. And I don't see any team in the NBA making a trade for a James Harden with the season so close and not being able to have a training camp under your belt to be able to figure out your rotations, figure out what your roster is going to look like. I don't see it happening. I am an armchair analyst and I just don't see how that makes sense. I don't see, and even for a young team, Chris, I don't see how you make that move when you're trying to establish culture, you're trying to establish chemistry. You don't bring in a guy that's a chemistry killer. You don't bring right? him in with no. a bunch of rookies no. and be like, yep, you get to just sit out games because you're James Harden because that teaches them the wrong thing. Yep. So again, I'm sorry. I don't see any trades making sense. Even if you were to incorporate a third team or even a fourth team and you move a bunch of pieces around, that's not the kind of trade that you see in the regular season. Uh, you see one-for-one swaps. You see two-for-two sure. two or something like that. You see minor deals. You don't see trades, you know, for with multiple teams or lots of players because teams are trying to establish something. And, and yeah. you can't break that up in the midseason unless you're giving up on the season or, or whatever. I just don't see it. I, I The Rockets play this year without him. Fine, find him. You know, come up with some injury and, and, and make him sit. Whatever. I, I just don't see it. Fair enough. Hey, I thought you did a great job going through the scenarios and breaking down the you know trade to possible contenders over in the eastern conference and i i'm with you i just don't see it working i don't see it being realistic and honestly i I, you know i think everybody needs to get over this thing of you know harden is going to be traded to a contender and harden's wish list and everything listen if i'm the rockets there's no loyalty to trade harden to where he wants to go the loyalty's done the gm's gone Harden the coach is gone, and Harden blew that by turning down a two-year, $100 million deal. He could be mm-hmm. making $50 million a year. He turned that down. So why you have any loyalty to trade him where he wants to go and to go to his Christmas wish list, you don't have any of that, especially, as you pointed out, with his decision-making right before the season was going to start. If you, if you know going out and partying is going to cause you to have to quarantine and miss the start of your training camp, and you did it anyway... Look, there, there needs to be no loyalty to James Harden. And they don't need to trade him to a contender. In fact, why would you? Why would you want to trade him to a contender if you're going to try to win a championship yourself in Houston? Right. Ship him off to Siberia, a.k.a. Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> Have fun up there in the snow and the cold and trying to figure out how to win in a franchise that just is does, doesn't like to win. They, You know, the Timberwolves are just, I don't know, man. But... That's my take on that. That I, I don't necessarily think there needs to be this great loyalty in, and he needs to be traded to where he wants to go to and all this stuff. Granted, I understand some of the contenders are going to have more pieces that they can offer to make a trade happen. But that being said, as you broke down all the different contenders, it doesn't necessarily make sense for them to bring James Harden in. As much as it might make sense for the Rockets to go nab some of their pieces... I don't see the fit. And and speaking a little bit more about the loyalty thing, and again, a small sample size, but if I'm the Rockets and I look at what just happened in my first two preseason games, we blew out the Bulls in the first one. 
John Wall played great. DeMarcus Cousins played great, scored 15 points in 14 minutes, or 14 points in 15 minutes. Eric Gordon had 16 in, in 20 minutes. And then, uh, you know, we bounced back. They lost the second one to the Bulls, but Wall was even more impressive, scoring 21 points in 24 minutes. If I'm looking at what I have right now with these guys, they've only played two games. In that first preseason game, they made 24 three-pointers. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what that's what Houston's been all about over the years. They stepped in. They also dished out 25 assists. They averaged 21.5 per game last year with Harden on the floor. So I'm looking at it as Houston. Again, it, it's a massive grain of salt with this because it's preseason. It's a first game. But I'm liking that return of a bunch of guys that I just put together, you know, and, and, and we're making 24 threes. We're scoring a bunch of points in limited minutes and uh, distributing the ball great with 25 assists. So I look at this, I've got no loyalty to Harden, and, and I think you make a great point. They hold all the cards, they don't need to rush with this, and you know what, if you want to sit out, fine, you, you, you find the guy, and so on and so forth, but um, I, I just don't get the whole, there needs to be this, this special loyalty thing, and we need to trade him to where he wants to go to. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Sorry, it's not going to happen, and I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I, I, the more that we've talked about it together, both off the podcast and on, it just doesn't seem like there's a likely destination scenario for James Harden. So as we are wrapping and coming down this week's episode and getting closer, we're going to do one more brief segment here where we're going to touch on a certain NBA star that's been around for a long time. Uh, a Mr. Carmelo Anthony, he's coming off the bench now in Portland, seems to be buying into that, whereas, you know, before that was something he was totally adverse to doing. So to wrap up today's episode, Mikey, are you buying or selling Melo coming off the bench in Portland and having it making a major impact for the Trailblazers this season? You know, I, I've been saying anybody that knows me over the years, I, you know, I'm I'm a big critic of Carmelo Anthony. Yes. Um, and you know, I, I I've been saying now for several years that in the modern NBA, where isolation basketball doesn't exist as much anymore, you know, Carmelo Anthony's best served coming off the bench. Uh, I yep. mean, his, his best role is being that scorer off the bench. And I mean, look, for whatever reason, Melo has had it in his head that it's more important to start than it is to finish. And I'm sorry, but you don't win a game in the first five minutes. I, I yeah, mean, yes, yeah. you could some you could you could argue that you do because you come out with this energy, whatever. But at the end of the day, they come, you know, those close games come down to those final final minutes, yeah. final seconds, or whatever. And you know, having a guy that can is an all-time great scorer uh, in Carmelo Anthony, um, you know. He, he can put the ball in the bucket. And, you know, he's a guy that either as a great decoy um, offensively, you know, you put him out there, or he's a guy that can get you a bucket. And when you've got C.J. McCollum and you've got Dame Lillard, you know, having a mellow out there certainly helps. It does not hurt. But at this point in his career, I mean, he's a small ball four. Uh, you know, he's too slow-footed uh, as a three nowadays. Defensively, he gives up a lot. He, he's not a great defender. And, True. You know, I yep. mean, he's got these moments where it's like, oh, he's playing good defense. I, you know, he's never going to make an all-team defense, you know. Um, so he hurts totally you in the, in, the grand, in the grand scheme of things, which is why, you know, Portland was smart to go out and trade for Robert Covington. You know, they, they re-signed Rodney Hood. 
you know, they went out and got Harry Giles, who's more of a center, but, you know, he's quick-footed. Gary Trent obviously played well, and he's an earnest defender, you know, last year going up against the Lakers. Uh, Derrick Jones Jr., you know, you went out and got him from Miami. He's a forward. Um, so you did some good things, you know, but Melo is an excellent insurance policy. If you have injuries, you can plug him into the starting lineup if you need to, but you absolutely have to buy him coming off the bench. It's going to prolong his career. Um, you know, which he probably could have done already had he given more credence to coming off the bench earlier in his career. Great he, point. He would have signed in the league. He wouldn't have had that exile in the league right. if he would have accepted a bench role because there was a lot of teams willing to give him that and he was refusing to to accept it. So, yep. um, you know, I, I buy it. I buy it for the Portland franchise. It's good when you have a guy with name recognition like a Carmelo Anthony willing to accept that role. Sure, sure. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's, it's going to benefit him. And uh, there's going to be games where he might not play, but um, I buy it. I, I absolutely buy it. And I think that's going to help that team and, you know, uh, it's going to help them quite a bit, actually. I, I'm with you. You know, I I buy I buy it as well, uh, and I, th- I I think you make some great points uh, overall, just about a, the Portland team in general and about Carmelo and yeah, I mean his limitations with defense and so on and so forth. But I I agree with with the impact this can have on Portland this year. And had he been a little bit more open to this. Uh, a few years back, you know, we we probably would have saw a lot more of Melo the last few years. But look, yeah, I mean, experienced guy, been around for a long time in the NBA. He's played in a lot of games against a lot of the a lot of players. He's had a lot of battles with the superstars of today. I mean, all that experience I think is a great thing. Uh, that factor as well. And then with him buying in, a Carmelo that's buying in versus not buying in. I think there's always been a big difference in in, in his play. So. I'm with you. I, I think it can definitely have an impact, a positive impact for Portland this year. I'm also buying it. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'll jump on that train. Why not? So, but I'm with you. I, I like Portland, and and you know, we'll. It'll be interesting to see what they do this year, which uh, you know, kind of leads us into this as we kind of wrap it up for this week. We will be back next week with our full NBA preview, guys. We are going to go through the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference. We're going to break it down. We're going to give you, you know, our picks, contenders, who we like, maybe some teams that we don't like all that much, but we will give you a full rundown of both conferences. We'll give you some MVP picks, guys, all of that great information. Hey, if there's anything you want us to touch on, shoot us a message, let us know, give us a little feedback here on today's podcast, and we will incorporate that in next week if there's anything you would like us to hint on in our big NBA preview. Of course, the season tips off on the 22nd, so you can look forward to that episode being out either a day or two before the season tips off. We will have you guys all covered and uh, are very much looking forward to that. Mikey, oh man, it was a great episode today. Yes, I was. really loved it, dude. Yeah. We ran through, we covered a lot. Absolutely. Uh, you know, hey, Cardinals looking good. Packers are looking good. Lakers are looking Lakers good. Shout are, out Talon Horton Tucker. Yeah, dude. Got a oh baller. my goodness. Wow. I tell got you what, you know, you guys. Uh, Frank Vogel's got some tough decisions to make, man. Yeah. Gotta find some playing time for this dude. Yes, yes, they do. So 
Um, there you go. What do you have? 30 points the other night, 33, Mikey? 33. 33 points, points last night. Holy smokes. Yeah. Double-double, like, actually. 33 points. He had like 10 rebounds. I tell you, just yeah. when you think the Lakers are, you know, as good as they can be, a guy comes out of the woodwork and does something like that. Oh, Absolutely. man. I tell yeah, you. 10 rebounds. And yeah. four assists and four steals. Chris. Oh, my goodness, Mikey. Watch out, man. Watch Shot out. 11 for 17, man. 80% from three-point land, man. Wow. Dude can ball. Watch wow. out. Yeah, hey, all right. Well, there you go. Episode three, the Balls and Beards podcast, guys. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, all the major listening uh, uh, platforms out there. We will look forward to uh, next week and our full NBA preview. Y'all have a great week out there. Enjoy, guys. Be safe. Sports guy Chris and Mikey signing off. Have a good one. Take care, guys. We'll see you next week. Book it. <laughs>